Welcome to the Airport Experience News Podcast. I'm Ramon Lowe, the publisher of AXN and the host of this pod. Thanks, as always, for listening. And, of course, please make sure to share us with uh, your friends, your family, coworkers, etc. We can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, I am now taking questions. That's right. If you have a question you would like for me to answer, could be a fun one, but also serious, but mostly fun ones are welcome. Um, send an email to ramon at airportxnews.com and in the subject line, add podcast question. I'm going to do my best to give an answer to all the questions you send in uh, on the following episode. So this is episode 66, and here I chat with the COO of Melt Shop, Josh Morgan. I gotta say, it's an interesting and delicious looking concept um, just based on the Instagram post that I've seen. Uh, Josh and Melt Shop, as of this posting at least, are going into a couple airports and like every other brand, they're looking to do more. So this is really a good story for the brands who are listening who might be new to the space. I speak with Josh not just about the history of the brand and their efforts to get into the airports, but really also how the brand has managed to um, differentiate itself in a restaurant environment so competitive such as in Manhattan. Anyway, here is my conversation with Josh Morgan. So I am here with Josh Morgan, the COO of Melt Shop. Uh, first off, Josh, uh, I'm glad that we're finally able to connect. Yeah, no, it's great. It's been a, been a little bit of time coming, but I'm, uh, I certainly appreciate the opportunity and excited about uh, speaking with you. And first off, congratulations uh, on your two locations in, in, in uh, JFK and Pittsburgh. Thank you so much. We're, uh, we're we're extremely extremely excited about this kind of new phase in our development and, and expanding into airports. And uh, thankfully, we've we've um, we found a great partner in uh, in Skyport Hospitality. And and it's been uh, you know about a year or so of kind of working together. And we're actually now on the kind of on the finish line. We expect to open uh, Pittsburgh on September 23rd, and hopefully JFK by end of November or the late you know early December. So. So we're really, really excited. So Josh, when you and I spoke, because like I said, it's been <laughs> a long, long time ago now, uh, what I found to be really interesting is how Melt Shop, uh, being predominantly in Manhattan, which is a very, very, very tough uh, restaurant market, I'm sure as you know, uh, how Melt Shop has managed to stand out. And in airports, it's, sort of like, it's kind of like how it is now on the street and how they're trying to stand out and kind of um, have that street mentality in terms of attracting travelers to dine in their establishments versus those across the way. So that's, that's the stuff that I really want to talk about with you today. But first, let's start off with just getting a little bit of background on you and then maybe a little bit of background on Melt Shop. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, uh, Melt Shop is you know is a is an American sandwich concept born in in New York City. Um, we were founded in 2011. We kind of we've gone through a couple like evolutions, I guess you would say. But um, you know, we kind of classify ourselves as the leaders or the progenitors of the melted sandwich, which is, in our opinion, a very differentiated kind of product niche, and that helps us stand out to, to kind of your earlier question. I'm happy to kind of dive into the product side, but. You know, when we were founded in 2011, uh, it was founded by a guy named Spencer Rubin, who's my partner and the, and the current CEO. It was really a little more inspired by grilled cheese um, and, you know, a little more crafted, you know, so like more of a boutique kind of fast casual 2.0. And at the time, you know, we were doing a lot of things that, that, that weren't necessarily that, uh, scalable and, and aren't part of our current you know, framework. But the point being, like when he started, it was all about, you know, super high quality, amazing ingredients um, from the bread to the cheeses. I mean, our bread 
is actually made by a, um, a, a, a boutique kind of artisan baker out of the Bronx called, called or washers. And it's just really, really high quality stuff. Clearly in any sandwich or even grilled cheese, you know, the, the bread means a lot. Um, and they're still, they, they've been our, our baker since day one. So that's one thing that has, has remained the same, but you know, he was getting cave age Gouda and like, you know, pickling in, you know, in, in house and doing a lot of things to really set ourselves apart. And over time, you know, that's, that's, that's obviously changed and we've learned to, you know, systematize a little bit more and to bring in some technology and systems and, and supply chain to help us scale. But I guess at the heart of our culture and the heart of what Spencer and I try to do conceptually is that we want to always stay true to those roots, to super high quality ingredients. We just now do it within a more delineated and I guess, you know, high tech kind of system and process that allows us to still use good quality ingredients, uh, implement them within systems that allow for consistency and high level execution. And also in a way that has allowed us over the years to peel back just the complexities that tend to be involved with high quality restaurants. So, so that's a little bit about kind of when it started or, you know, how it started and, and, and I think, you know, to your original point, you know, how do we kind of try to stay relevant? So, you know, a couple things there, you know, we've been around for eight years. Uh, first of all, we, we just celebrated our eighth year anniversary in April. And I think one of it is, you know, we just, we, we, we're willing to take our time until we get it right. You know, we've done a lot of things over the years that were maybe tough decisions because you know, everybody wants it all. You know, we all want the sales. We all want the growth. We all want the expansion. But sometimes if you, if, if you can diagnose and kind of introspectively just say like, Hey, we're just not there yet. You know, you, you've got to have to do that because it's, it's the prudent thing to, to do. And, and you know, an example of that is you know, we used to serve breakfast and lunch and, you know, when I came on board and I'll tell you a little bit more about my history. You know, we just weren't ready to do multiple day parts, especially with something like breakfast. So we had to cut breakfast. We had to cut that day part out until we perfected our core business, which was lunch and dinner. Same thing with, you know, delivery, you know, we were trying to do delivery all on our own and, you know, we just couldn't handle all of the, the moving parts. So we had to, you know, we had to cut things out to, in order to, to perfect, you know, other parts of our business. So I think that kind of notion, uh, you know, helped, helps us uh, get to where we are now. So we just kind of took our time. We, we didn't want to start franchising or even licensing or even looking into airports until we really felt like our, our, our product was ready, our brand was ready, our systems were ready. And, you know, I think that is one of the things at the heart of, of what you were asking. So uh, I, I remember when you and I spoke, I, I believe you told me that you guys had started, like you mentioned, you started as a grilled cheese uh, concept. I think it was melt grilled cheese. Then you changed it to melt shop. And it was relatively early on in the life of the concept, right? You, you went from transitioning from a name, maybe not just a name, but even the menu, which is kind of, yeah. I guess... Uh, like a better term, pretty ballsy to kind of do that early on, or maybe because this is food, you are able to do it early on and pivot because you kind of, whatever, for whatever reason, correct? It was, le- yeah. I mean, I think it was less a pivot on menu than it was just the way we were articulating our brand sure. and your know, melt shop is, is, is it's good and bad. You know, it's, it's the name itself is very, it's very easy for a consumer who's never seen us or crossed our path to kind of understand or, or know what we're about just for, just from the name, but it also has a double-edged sword, you know, where they assume that it's certain things as well. So we've been battling that on, on, on a lot of different fronts and levels over the years. And, and when I joined Spencer, it was after the second location had opened, it was you know, just shy of two years from the founding. And, you know, again, Spencer was doing, I came from full service. Spencer was, you know, I mean, he was doing everything, wearing every single hat in this restaurant. 
And, you know, I came with a little bit of a, you know, a, a background in fine dining and full service experience. And, and at the time, Spencer and our, our, our partners at Orify Brands, you know, just wanted to imbue the company with, with some more operational experience. So it was a good fit um, to begin with. But as soon as I came on board, Spencer and I realized that, you know, we really needed to start focusing on just being a sandwich concept and not a grilled cheese concept. Mind you, at that time, we were still selling the exact same fried chicken that, that we sell now, almost almost identically. And it was always one of our best sellers. But we may have skewed, the menu may have skewed a little bit more towards what you would, would, would categorize as a traditional grilled cheese. Uh, and we also didn't have other things like currently we have burger melts and we have grilled chicken and we have turkey and we have... You know, we've experimented. We we have vegan uh, sandwich products. We have roasted veggies. So so we we've certainly evolved in the in the protein space. And now the majority of our of our menu is comprised, or at least as a as a percentage of sales, it's they're protein based sandwiches, uh, as well as you know new categories like chicken tenders, which we launched about a year and a year ago. So people still think of Melt Shop as just a grilled cheese concept, and that's something that we're constantly working on and, and trying to speak about our brand differently. Uh, but ultimately the proof's in the pudding and it doesn't take long for, for, for guests to show up to our restaurant, see our menu and our deal with our digital menu boards with, that are very visual. And, you know, there's a lot of great graphics happening to, to really convey who we are. And, and yeah, they know that, that there's a lot more than just grilled cheese. Well, I, I know just by uh, frequenting your um, <laughs> your website, and I do follow you guys on Instagram. I, I know definitely you are not just about grilled cheese, so there's that. Um, mm-hmm. but, but what was the tipping point in deciding to? You know what? They don't understand our name, or or maybe Melt Shop is a better way to communicate what it is we're offering. Um, and you said those two, the, the the change in the name and maybe the evolution of the menu are completely separate. Correct? I mean, like because those, again, like I said, I don't know in the life of a restaurant um, if those things tend to happen early on as you're kind of finding your way, especially if it's a startup, or is it over time when, you know what, we, we just have to kind of refresh because we've, we've been the same old, same old. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, I think evolution in any brand is, is very, very important. And that's, that's another factor that, that I think kind of continues to differentiate us. You know, we, Spencer and I know we're not the smartest guys around, but we're, we think we're <laughs> smart enough to know that that iteration and evolving as a brand in all facets is just part of the game. Like if you're not, if you're not trying to get better and trying to, you know, explore new ways in menu or innovation, te- you know, technology operations, and, you know, human capital. I mean, you're always iterating and you're always tweaking. So mm-hmm. it really is a, it's, it, it's a never ending process. So, you know, we'll always continue to iterate and, and, you know, with respect to the, to the concept itself, you know, we just, when when we, when articles were coming out and people were only talking about us as grilled cheese, grilled cheese, grilled cheese, and you know, that was that may have been that may have been kind of a tipping point for us to to be like, oh, we gotta we gotta work at this and we gotta try to make sure people know that we're much more than that. And then it was it's it's an ongoing effort. I mean, it's been years. Look, it's not a bad thing. We just don't want to be known as a grilled cheese concept. You know, we think it, a grilled cheese kind of puts puts you in a corner. Yes. and there's there's been a lot of brands that have come and gone that have tried to be exactly that just a grilled cheese concept and it hadn't worked. It hasn't worked out well for many of them. So, you know, a lot of it is just, you know, you know, gut instinct. We, you know, Spencer and I kind of know we don't want to be in that corner, but also just watching and, and, and keeping a pulse on what, what people want, what, you know, how other, other companies are doing, but you know, it's been, it's in a, it's been a true evolution and it's taken a long time and, and it never ends. So, you know, when we first, 
our, our original logo when I first joined actually had grilled cheese in the logo. So, you know, we removed <laughs> that awesome. and we did our, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we actually have that on our website. It's kind yeah. of like an ode to our like OG logo, um, which, you know, we think it's important to remember the history and, you know, the kind of, kind of like an archive of, of all the, all the things and items and merchandise and like physical assets that kind of helped to build what Melt Shop is today. Just like the things that we released today will be part of this, the growth story in you know five, 10 years. So, so we think it's important to acknowledge it and, and make it part of the history, but you know, we, you need to change and we're actually getting ready to embark on an update of our packaging. Okay. Uh, you know, and we've, and we've, we've done a lot of iteration on packaging. We, our packaging is constructed and designed to, you know, keep, keep the food hot, to keep the sandwiches crispy. So there's a lot that goes into it to maintain temperature. But then on the design side, you know, we, we always want to, again, evolve uh, in that aspect. So, so we've got some very cool, amazing, you know, new designs coming out that'll affect ba- our bags and our, our sandwich boxes, our, our boats where our, where our tops go in. So, so we're always kind of pushing, pushing the, the envelope, so to speak, when it comes to just you know evolving in, in all facets of the business. So I, I'm gonna. I was gonna. This just came up because uh, based on what you're answering there. So you said you're you're revamping your packaging now. And when um, just a couple of questions. One. When was the last time you did re, um, rethink your packaging, or maybe this was the first time? And two. I guess would you consider Melt Shop more of a not grab and go, but more like an order and takeout? Do people dine in? You know, percentage. Because I'm always wary of like um, something that's hot and warm like that, uh, and just having the product lose its integrity as once I order it and take it from your, you know, from your store. And then the moment I get back to my desk or my house. Yeah. Um, good question. Let me, the first, let me answer the first part. So <laughs> this is not our first, uh, you know, uh, version of, of experimenting with different packaging. It's, I don't know how many, but there's been a lot enough that I can't, uh, I couldn't even tell you how many. And a lot of that is some of that is design centric. Uh, I'd say in the earlier days when, you know, Spencer is really, this is kind of his wheelhouse and, you know, he he's the one that really created the the original template of of a corrugated box or, or a box with a corrugated pad on the bottom. The you know the corrugated little slots help uh, you know keep airflow. Um, so a lot of it was 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 um, was functional. You know to to make sure that we enhanced the ability for guests to come in, take our food out of the premise, and and for it to stay stay warm, not not get soggy, not steam itself. So. So in the early days, it was a little more functional driven, I think. And then as we started to develop our resources, like bringing in an amazing you know, marketing team, and we now have a, a, a great director of marketing, uh, her name is Arthi, and, and she now oversees a lot of the design related elements. So, so, so this, this newest version is a little more design centric. It's going to be the same, the same functional box, just in a, in a different design. So, so many, many iterations, some, some tackling different elements uh while you know while others might might need to solve a particular problem you know to your point about the you know the quality of the food yeah i mean look made our what, what differentiates us is that we are a true made to order concept so we're fast we're fast casual we you know you come in you order and your food will be ready in under five minutes that's our that's our standard we, we put a huge emphasis on our ticket times and throughput getting your food made to order under five minutes is kind of a benchmark of our operational you know principles um, but it's not easy. Anything that's made to order and that's hot and that's crispy and is on buttered bread, you know, it, it does die. I mean, food, hot food does die over time. 
So we just try to mitigate that as best we can. One of the ways we do that is we're just in and out. I think that's important. So we try to drive a lot of traffic and and a lot of our guests do take it out of the premises. Um, some of our some of our restaurants now are in malls and um, you know very similar to kind of the setup uh, that we'll see in the airport. So so we've had to get really really good at at making sure our food lasts and you know really it's just it's about execution and it's about just being thoughtful about you know the vessels and the packaging and even on our delivery program our you know delivery business is is, is huge it's, especially in Manhattan. It's yeah. um, it can make up up to forty percent of of our say total sales in some of our restaurants in Manhattan. So you know you need to you need to make sure that that the quality or the product is not compromised. Um, you know we're doing things with like tamper proof packaging and stickers, and you know working with with uh, reputable and proven logistics companies that can get our product from our door to to the guest door in twenty to twenty five minutes. So there's there's tons of moving parts to to solving that equation, and we certainly haven't figured it out entirely. But you know, a lot of our day to day is is trying to trying to tackle some of these challenges associated with with is, our business. Do you guys utilize your own delivery services, or do you use third parties like you know Grubhub and DoorDash? Like this? Yeah, we're we're entirely third party now. There was okay. a time I th- I alluded to this earlier when when we tried to manage our own delivery workforce and. And it was just a, it was a real challenge. Um, not to say that we wouldn't consider it or, or, or couldn't do it. It's just at that time, it didn't make sense. Nowadays, we, you know, we use a lot of technology and integrated systems to, to make the delivery universe or the delivery ecosystem work within our operations. It used to be, you know, seem you get an order from seamless and it would be, it would be faxed into your restaurant. And then you had to take that fax and you had to type it into POS. And then, so it's, it's, it's really come a long way. Now we have complete seamless integration across all of our order channels. So no matter what channel you're on, it'll automatically come into, into the restaurant via our POS and kitchen display system. There's nothing, no one ever has to do. It's as if the order was generated at the, by the cashier, um, you know, from a guest waiting in line. So but you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of inherent challenges in that as well. You know, which is you know the cost of of of, uh, of maintaining a third party kind of delivery logistics team. Mm-hmm. There's the cost of the orders and the commissions that that a lot of these companies charge. So there's there's still a lot of things to to iron out. And then we also have a native channel. So we've spent a lot of time, energy, and 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 capital to build out our own native channel, which is much less expensive for us to, to operate. And, and we think a better ex, a guest experience, but you know, the, the, the challenge for that is, is, is we've got to convince and, and, and somewhat alter consumer behavior and try to get them to not go to Uber Eats or not go to Grubhub and come to Melchop.com, which is another, another kind of exhausting effort. Uh, and, we, and we're, and we're trying to figure out how to, how to do it. And we're starting to see some success, but, Again, just just another challenge of of this um, of, of where this whole industry is going. I even heard from and, and sorry to cut you off, Ramon, but I, it made me think of I was speaking to someone I don't recall who, and they were telling me that even in the airports now, there's there's some, there's companies that are offering kind of this like mini or micro ecosystem where you can order ahead from anywhere in the terminal, and it'll automatically go into the restaurant, and then someone will deliver that order to you no matter where you are. So if you're at, you know, Hartsfeld and you're at, you know, Concourse D and you don't want to you know, spend the 40 minutes to get to wherever you need to go, you just order it. So I, you know, looking for, 
looking into the future of our airport expansion, you know, it'll be interesting to see how some of the same principles that we've been, uh, you know, navigating in traditional delivery might even apply or might help us with navigating the delivery universe in airport. Yeah. And, um, course by the time this publishes hopefully my piece will have already been published but i am actually working on a piece for our website that's focusing on the um the possibilities of using virtual restaurant or implementing virtual restaurants in airports because again you all the elements are there you know you have the concepts you have mm-hmm. the real estate you have now as you mentioned uh the company's called at your gate they have a third-party delivery system or maybe an overhead system which uh grab mobile is also part of um, I guess, and as we on the street are more conditioned to see DoorDash, GrubHub, et cetera, as part of our daily lives, then it's not, it's not that much of a stretch to then go into the airport and say, oh, I could just order, you know, something from Melt Shop and have it delivered to me at my gate. The only challenge is, uh, is one of awareness because we all know who Uber Eats is and, and DoorDash, et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's just, okay, did, I don't know if this is available in Atlanta or JFK, et cetera. So it's awareness and, and penetration. That's that's kind of the challenge. But um, yeah, I, I did want to go back to something you said. You said, you know, you guys wanted to take your time. And that's why you kind of like, you would um, make some sort of iteration to the, to the concept, um, implement it, you know, measure it, and then, you know, and, and move forward. What, <laughs> do you think there that the restaurant scene in, in, a, in a place as competitive as Manhattan has the time to wait for someone to kind of take their time on this? Uh, I mean, I think it's an interesting question. You know, I, I look, I think, <laughs> I think this, guys, obviously, <laughs> well, I mean, I look, I think the reality of this business and I think I've been in this business long enough yet and across different, you know, facets from the, from the, from, you know, the fine dining to just the, uh, the full service casual dining all the way down to the, the various brands that we have under our portfolio. Uh, to know that you just cannot get this business right out of the gate, yeah. you know. So if if you if you come across a brand that's new and it's like two years in, and you know they're franchising and they they've got you know hundred units sold, I mean it's just it's 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 to me it's just maybe there's 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 the there's the diamond in the rough, you know, the anomaly that that can do it. But I mean we're still real, you know. After eight years, there's things that we know now that we didn't know last week or or the month before. So. So I think it's just kind of, it's just it's the reality of this business. There's too many moving parts. There's too many things to get right. And it just takes time. So yeah, look, anybody can get going quickly if they want to take market share, but that doesn't mean, you know, I think the, there's an assumption that you figured it all out. In fact, it's the opposite. You know, if anyone that claims that they figured it all out is, and this happens a lot in, in, in sales and franchise, you know, it's, it's this, this kind of, you know, this like, you know, I don't know, bravado that that's like, oh yeah, we got it all. Like we know exactly what we're doing. We know exactly how to do this and that. And, and it's just, it's kind of, you know, it's just crazy to, 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 to think like that. So, so we just, we just know, we knew, we knew that. And we just, it's okay for us to acknowledge that we have not figured it all out. And there are some things that we got to work on, but you know, we're very passionate and we, we know, we think we know what our brand stands for and the, and the, you know, the values and the, and you know, the operational premises that, that really drive our decision-making. And, you know, if you put a bunch of great people together and no, in, in that, in that kind of context, there's, there really shouldn't be any problem or challenge that we can't tackle. And, you know, in our instance, like, I think we, we, you know, we debated franchising for many, many years. Uh, so we were probably willing, we started some parts of the process, maybe, you know, four years into it. So, uh, you know, and I was funny enough, I was adamantly against it in the early days 
probably because I just, I kind of deep down knew how challenging it was and, and that we just weren't close to, to where we needed to be. But also because I came from a, a universe of, you know, Hillstone, I, I learned the industry from Hillstone or Houston's restaurant group, which, which is kind of the Uber, Uber corporate only. And the culture was, you know, nobody could do this. Like, like, like we could, like, like they could do it. So, so the idea of licensing that or franchising it to someone else would be literally like, you know, it would be, uh, it would have never even come up, you know, it was just so anti the culture. So I think that was kind of deep rooted inside of me. So when I came to, to Melchop and Orify, I kind of still had a little bit of that, of that outlook on franchising, but, but over time, you know, and as we got better and, and, and again, you know, more systematized, I started to, to, to weigh more of the pros and cons and kind of intellectually think about the benefits versus the, uh, the risks and, you know, when we got to that point, which really was about, you know, about two years ago, we just, you know, Spencer and I were kind of like, okay, I think we're ready. Let's, 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 let's throw, you know, let, let's, let's, let's dangle our, I guess, or dip our toe, so to speak, and see what happens. And, and the response was great. We had a deal. We had our first franchise deal, you know, several months, I think within three or four months after we officially uh, registered in New York. So how long have you guys or, or have been looking at, or maybe actively working to get uh, melt shop into airports? So the airports kind of came, I'd say a, a little bit after the, the traditional franchising, which is, you know, looking for the, the, the multi-unit operators that, that are out there in the, in, in the universe. And, you know, airports, we already had, we always had this, this, um, this notion that we, we thought we could do well, but we just didn't know anybody and we didn't have the connection. So it took a little bit more digging to try to, you know, find some people and to start to develop this relationship uh, or a relationship. And, and I think that's another thing in sales, like any bit, it doesn't matter what business you're in. A lot of it is just relationship building and getting to know people. You got to, you got to start with a good product, but you know, almost all of our deals um, have really come not from like sales methods or, or buying leads or, it's about, you know, getting out there, meeting people, developing and building relationships and, you know, building that trust and, you know, that kind of synergy, which is really the only thing we want to do. You know, we're not, we're not really interested in, in just doing deals with people who just want to do deals or, or just, you know, want to get into the business. Like we want true synergistic partnerships that, that will last, you know, a long time and will, and will, will last the ups and downs that, that we're bound to face together as we, as we start to scale and grow in a different market. Uh, yeah, I mean, the airport, the airports, we always knew it. It's just, it, and, and, and believe it, and believe it or not, again, the, well, I guess it, it's based on what I was just said, it makes sense, but that first Skyport opportunity came through our, our, I think the co-CEO of, of our parent company, Orify Brands had a friend who was a lawyer who knew someone at Skyport. And it was just, it was, you know, friend of a friend. And next thing you know, we're talking multiple bids at, at multiple airports and, and um, and we're we're getting ready to open soon, so so that's kind of how it happens. Honestly, two locations already in in what a little over a year, maybe two years or something like that. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> as long, two as, years. as long as I've been in the space, honestly. Yeah, I mean, look, we 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 feel like we've seen some good momentum, uh, and we're, we're 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 thankful for it, and we're appreciative of the partners that that kind of believe in our brand and and. Um, and now the net, you know, then there's the, but then there's the next stage, which is, you know, getting them open and, you know, handing them the tools that they need to, to, to replicate and build a melt shop. And then, you know, working with the operators to make sure that they're, 
you know, they're operating according to standards. So, yeah, we still got a lot of work work ahead and we, we have no illusions of grandeur about how how challenging it is and how competitive it is, especially in the airport environment. But but we do like the uh, we, we like the way that Melt Shop kind of fits within this new elevated kind of food and beverage approach to to airports, which you know, we, we see in the malls, you know, we're in a lot of malls. So it kind of feels like to us that that the airports are now really starting to to catch up to some of the some of the mall operators or landlords in the sense of really putting a lot of resources and investment into into elevating food and beverage across these terminals. Okay, so now you're in airports, uh, you're looking forward to expanding further. Um, obviously, you have, you know, Melt Shop can meet various service styles, it caters to a diversity, uh, diverse uh, audience, etc. all that you find inside an airport. Um, what, what else were you just... Um, I guess surprised by in this environment because listen, I I plan on using this piece also as a way for other emerging brands who are looking at airports uh, to expand into like you know to hear your story because again I, I hear from brands a lot very often say I want to get in this airport thing and then they don't really realize sometimes sacrifices have to be made sometimes you don't you're not uh, paired with the right uh, partner unfortunately yeah you know, what are some of the things that have surprised you as you kind of um, fit uh, melt shop into uh, our really cool environment of airports? Uh, I mean, it's a good question. I think it's a, it's, it's a little early in the process to, to have too many surprises. Um, <laughs> part of it is, you know, I, I don't even know, but we're, we keep hearing that, you know, airports are, are, are such great opportunities because of what you said, you have this captive audience, you, you, you've got this like wide kind of audience, which fits well with our brand. Uh, and, you know, we keep hearing that AUVs, you know, have, have such, such great potential and these, the Air Force, and it, it differentiates your portfolio. So you've got kind of these non-traditional. So all those things, I've, obviously, we've been super excited about, but we haven't even opened the doors yet. So it's hard to know what the real takeaways are. But but you know, to, to your point about the partners, I mean, you know, we we we've, we've known early on that we need to partner with the right people just to make this process the best it can be. And and again, I I guess I've been surprised in a way at how great it's been working with with like a company like like um like skyport you know they're just they, they've been I, I kind of maybe assumed deep down that it was just going to be a challenge and there's going to be a lot of headwinds and uh you know issues so it's they, they've been just super uh, you know easy to work with we do weekly calls you know all of their depart department heads are, are kind of working together to to roll this brand out um so that's been that's been kind of a pleasant a pleasant surprise uh, one of the things that I thought that maybe is a bit of a surprise is usually when we go into a, a, a location or a real estate play in New York, you know, the, the landlord, all they really care about is, you know, the numbers and what's the rent and, you know, what's in the lease. Whereas in the airports, you, it's almost like you have this third partner that is very invested in the look and the feel and the design. And I think that was, that was, that was a, a, a bit of a surprise in that, you know, like we would submit you know, our branding or our aesthetic or our, you know, artwork or some, some sort of design that is just, that's what the melt shop design is. And then we would, you know, hear not in a negative way, just like, Hey, what about changing it from this to this? And, you know, maybe it was by the, the, the airport themselves, or maybe it was through, you know, some other party that's involved. There's, that's another thing like navigating who's who and who, who does what in these airports is, is a futile effort for me. Yeah, my, um, my, my question though is you brought up a really uh, interesting point is, is the melt shop that's going into the airport, how much is it 
the same melt shop that's on the street because there's always going to be oh, some compromise. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it actually is. Both of them will be like a hundred percent identical replicas of, of what you would see in our, in, in Manhattan or any of our newer restaurants. We, we actually did not have to, uh, to, you know, really consider modifying or, or changing much at all. I mean, it's the same aesthetic, it's the same finishes, it's the same equipment package, it's the same menu boards, it's the same content, you know, pricing might be a little different from, sure. from, uh, from market to market. You know, I know that, you know, there are rules involved with how, how airports decide what the pricing are. I'm still learning a bit about that. Um, there's some things that we're not doing, you know, like, you know, things like loyalty, programs we might not be doing in the airport just because you know i guess the transient traveler doesn't necessarily or isn't incentivized by you know loyalty in in that environment um you know we we might not be doing as many things like like limited time offers like maybe we'll do a new lto every 10 weeks in in our city stores just to engage our client base but you know we, we probably won't go through some of those things so so those are like the minor changes that you'll see but but from a look and feel, you know, if I were to blindfold you and take you to Manhattan flagship and then drop you into into JFK, you'd have no idea. You have no idea. There's a it's a different it's a different location. Well, you mentioned that you had initially cut out breakfast. Is there a breakfast component now here in in uh, in your airport uh, location? Yeah. So 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 that's probably the biggest thing that we had to go through an R and D process for in anticipation of the airports and. It felt it, it felt completely natural because, like I said, breakfast was part of our history, and you know, not much goes goes better with with bread with good quality bread and cheese than than the fresh fresh made eggs. So, so you know, it was part of our history. We knew that going into the airport, we had to launch or relaunch our breakfast program. So we did allocate, you know, a good amount of time and resource to to build this this new revived breakfast program and we, we we ended up launching it at our flagship location in manhattan so we now have one corporate location that's been serving breakfast for the last several months and and it's been it's it's been it's been amazing we're we're very happy with the food the quality the you know the price the value we think it's a we think it's the best in brand uh you know breakfast program and and we're we, we're really really excited to see how it does in in an airport. Uh, and so that was, that was some work that we had to do to get ready, but it's, uh, it's been kind of like a, a you know, a labor of love. And, and, and after some time, we'll, we'll certainly consider, uh, the, the degree to which we'll make breakfast a, a, a true part of the mouth shop system for, for, for even traditional location. I just want to get your thoughts on, um, maybe some of the similarities of the airport spaces, the airport space and the street and how you feel that, um, using that mentality of trying to get, uh, you know, to stand out, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm still learning, you know, so I don't want to, I'm certainly no a- airport expert. <laughs> um, I, I think I need, I, I really do need to start to visit some, some, uh, some, some additional airports just to continue to hone, you know, my own, I, I guess, you know, perception of how, what's, what's happening, but I think it's different from terminal to terminal. You know, I think what, what's happening in JFK uh, the JFK terminal, or sorry, the JetBlue terminal at JFK, which is where we're going with with Skyport, is um, is I mean I think it's the future of terminals, you know, which which is this 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 transition from uh, you know maybe more older school or legacy type brands or original uh, a a a conglomerate of of original brands and concepts like kind of what OTG does to favoring you know more local higher 
you know, quality brands or at least perceived to be higher quality that are from the area that have garnered, you know, some sort of coolness or relevance or reputation. And, you know, with some of the other, other brands that, that I, that we know are going into, we're friends with all of them because it's small. It's even though it's New York city, it's very small world. Um, but you know, that type of food presence is something that we, you know, we're excited about and we we're glad to be part of it. You know, we think, you know, it kind of brings, you know, the, 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 the tenant mix when it's, when it's a better tenant mix or a more favorable tenant mix, I think it helps all, all people. It becomes more of a destination. It drives traffic everywhere, you know? So, so I think that's, that's kind of what's happening, at least in that one terminal that we're involved in. I, I see it happening in a lot of other terminals that just varying degrees. Um, and, and, and in that aspect, it's no different than being on, you know, like a strip of Manhattan in Midtown that happens to have all the big players, you know, a fast casual in, in New York city or, you know, a food hall that again is like this boutique food hall with, with these, with these heavily curated brands that are offering a wide variety of, of just high quality artisan type food that that's also fast. And, and so, you know, it really, it, it really feels, and even like a food court, you know, now like we, 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 we're in a lot of Simon property group malls and, and they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions across their portfolio just really elevating the quality of food of, of, of the, of the tenant mix and, and the, the look and the feel, the aesthetics of these food courts. So I hope so. Cause I'm a so, child of the eighties and I remember what uh, mall food courts used to be like with the neon and, and, and things. So I'm uh, glad yeah. Simon's going that route. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess to your question, you know, it's, it, it, you know, the likeness from, from the terminal to the, to, to the street, to the, to the food, to the food court, to the food hall, it, they're really kind of converging in, in favor of these, these elevated brands. And then you're also seeing uh, the, 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 the travel, you know, or sorry, the entertainment component, especially in the big malls. You know, I think that's maybe less at play in, in airports clearly, but, but, you know, it's, 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 you know, everything kind of, it's like a reversion to the mean, you know, like well, once, once people pave the way and they show that it's working, you know, people, you know, other, other sectors or, or I guess other niches within, within the sector start to follow suit. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, Josh, that's all I have. I, I appreciate you for uh, taking the time to speak with me. Yeah, no, it's been my pleasure. Happy to uh, talk at any time. Uh-huh.